Before we get started, I need to thank three new Patreon patrons. Thank you, Emily, Casper, Jim W., and Randy Woodland for going to patreon.com slash originalcastpod and becoming patrons of the original cast because you have now gained access to the original cast at the movies, our exclusive Patreon-only bonus podcast. And this is the best possible time to become a patron and listen to the original cast of the movies because 2023 is the year of Barbara. We are covering 12 Barbra Streisand motion pictures not previously covered on the original cast of the movies up to 1996 and the mirror has two faces because I'm not watching the one where she drives around with Seth Rogen. We've done All Night Long. We've done What's Up Doc. We've done The Owl and the Pussycat. We've done Nuts. We've done Prince of Tides. We've done Hello Dolly. And still to come, the main event up the sandbox for Pete's sake and we close it out in December with The Way We Were. You don't want to miss any of this. Great movies. I mean, maybe I haven't. I have not. I have not seen any of them. Um, but, but great Barbara Streisand. We love Barbara Streisand. Definitely that. Great guests. Great episodes of the podcast. That I can almost certainly guarantee. I'm going to guarantee it. You know what? I'm going to guarantee it. Definitely great episodes of the podcast that you can only get by becoming a patron at Patreon.com/slash/OriginalCastPod. All right. Here's the show. As oh wait, are you coming in to say hi? Yes. Did mommy send you in to say hi? Yes. Oh come on in, Miss Carrie. Can't see you. I can't see you guys. You gotta come closer. Oh, hello. Oh, it's my favorite movie stars. Hey, gals. How are. you doing? What's going on, girls? Okay. We're on our way to bed. Good night. Oh, good night. Bye. Thanks, Kelly. Whenever my world falls apart, I never lose hope or lose heart. Whatever the form of the storm that may brew. Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a favorite of this podcast who has kindly come along and share share her expertise this morning, evening. What time is it? What is time? We just asked that question. Literally, (laughs) literally don't know. It's Carrie Ginsburg, everybody. Hi. How are you? How are you? You okay? I am. I am okay. I'm hanging in. I'm holding it together. Thank you so much for being here with me this evening. Uh, for My coming pleasure. along for this special occasion because you're here to talk about the apple tree. Lucky me, a movie star. I was made for caviar, and that's what I've got. My life is exactly what I wished for. So, of course, I must be truly content. But I'm not. The Apple Tree, one of my favorite shows that no one ever does and no one ever Uh wants to talk about. (laughs) Why do you think that is? Oh, look at that. The hardback original 1966 script, which I found at a used bookstore and was so excited about and to much to the shock of everyone around me in the bookstore. Mm. Uh, and then I also have the, oop, it's blending in. Ooh, the album. LP, yes. Shockingly, not a lot of pictures from the show. You can't see in the reflection. No. Not a lot of pictures from the show, which is unfortunate. Uh, There's a great one online of Alan Alda wearing like a big old wig. Yes. Oh, yes. His him dressed as a uh, his his great kind of like Jerome Ragney. Yes. Ha- in hair before hair, I guess, vibe when he's playing 
his third act character. Yeah. Um, what, what, producer. I don't what that character's name is. No, he's not the producer. He's a mo- he's a star. Oh, he's, uh, he's uh, another Flint? star. Not Flint. Flip. 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 Yeah. I, yeah. I don't know who anybody Flip is. The Prince. Flip the Prince. He's, yeah. yeah Flip, and his nickname is Whose the name Prince. is George, right? He's right. actually his George. His name is George yeah. Brown. Okay. His name is yeah. George Brown. Yes. Because there's there's a. <laughs> so anyway, we'll start. We should start at the beginning before we yes. like people get completely lost. And I ask, how did the apple tree come into your life? I first discovered the apple tree when I was in college. I did my undergrad in musical theater at Syracuse University. And it's funny because uh, in preparation for a conversation today, I went to the bookshelf to pull Ooh. up my actual like world of musical comedy fourth edition revised and enlarged uh, intro to musical theater textbook to sure. remind me what it said about this musical in the textbook. Uh, spoiler alert. It's like one column on page 302, but um, in our intro to musical theater class, intro to musical theater history class, mm. one of our assignments each week was to go to the library and go up to the third or fourth floor. I don't remember which at this point um, into the very small theater and performing arts section and listen to a cast album of a musical that we had never heard of before. And oh. you could just like either look online or like there was like mm-hmm. a, a digital card catalog, or you could just sort of go to the shelf and scroll. And I remember we had just completed a unit on Fiorello And I was like, oh, I kind of like how Bach and Harnick, uh, how their work, how they work together. Mm -hmm. And as like a vanity thing, um, I was in the the regional premiere of A Wonderful Life, which is a Sheldon Harnick musical when it was at Arena Stage when I was like nine, um, a, a million billion years ago. So I was like, oh, I know Sheldon Harnick. Like <laughs> he wrote C is for cookie, right? Like it was very right. ridiculous. So sure. That was the CD that I pulled off the shelf to listen to. Uh, and it was an actual compact disc. And just to continue on the assignment, one of the things we were responsible for in listening to the album was uh, one, we had to read the liner notes so we could understand sort of what the show was about. And then two, we had to identify a song from the show that we thought we could potentially sing in our book and then Mm. make a recommendation to somebody else in the class about a song that they should look for, for their book. So that's how I discovered the apple tree as a, as a class assignment Uh, in listening to it through the first and second time, I was like, what is this? (laughs) <laughs> what ties these three stories together so i'm looking forward sure. to chatting with you about that um and then uh <laughs> uh and then many years later there was a, a revival of it on broadway with Kristen chenoweth mark kudish and brian darcy james and i got tickets with my mm. mom from tkts to go see and the whole principal cast was performing um so we got to see the, nice. the Chenna Weath um sure. play uh the principal female track. Um so yeah, so that's that is how it came into my life and that is how it re-entered my life. Here, I want to flip the script a little bit, Patrick. Mm-hmm. What, what is this show about? Oh, so many things. Um yeah. this this show, well, it's about three acts long. Yeah. Uh, which is just the hallmark of every successful musical is three acts. I, I really yeah. could like I could really 
I, I would love to do a paper someday on like three act musicals and how they don't why they don't work because yeah. there's something about a musical and three acts for some reason just doesn't you know anyone can whistle is a three act musical mm-hmm. um famously the the what the what the, the the one that made me think of this as like as like an actual interesting point is that um Gilbert and Sullivan's first flop is their only three act musical Princess Ida which Whoa. is just unusual yeah like and it, it's just an unusual little trend that like huh. now this show was not a flop the show ran for 460 some performances the show did yeah. okay yeah um, some Tony's along the way mm-hmm. but it's a bear uh so what is it about great question so there is a a phenomenon that does not really occur anymore that used to occur it still occurs in movies but it doesn't occur in the stage anymore where once you'd written a massive hit you mm-hmm. got to do whatever you wanted you got what is we referred to as a blank check yes. to do any project you ever wanted to do and it still happens in films all the time people have big hits and then they get to make their dream projects and they're almost always terrible and and it's but mm-hmm. you know it, they're fun to watch this is bach and harnick's post fiddler musical they had written the what was to that point the largest most successful musical ever written Mm -hmm. and somebody was like what do you want to do and they're like we want to do a three-act musical with three one acts yes based on disparate uh source material not uh only one of which was a play Mm -hmm. um because the first act is the diary of adam and eve which is a short story by mark twain Mm-hmm. Second act is The Lady of the Tiger, which is also a short story. And then the third act is Passionella by Jules Pfeiffer, which I think was also a short story and a play. Mm-hmm. Um, That's and what the textbook also, says. Mm-hmm. And then also had been adapted for musicals before. Sondheim took a crack at Passionella. There's, you can oh. hear some tracks of his from when he was a kid. Okay. Um, so it's a very famous Jules Pfeiffer story, which is a takeoff on Cinderella and mm-hmm. movie stardom. Uh and the shows are allegedly linked thematically mm-hmm. uh, by they're all about, again, I, I, allegedly, mm-hmm. uh, they all contain the theme of really wanting something and then getting what you want and then discovering that you don't want it anymore. Mm-hmm. And that sort of runs through all three stories. Yeah. Um, but I was in re-listening to it today to talk to you. I sort of discovered the accidental theme of this kind of is God, it's hard to be a woman in a man's world. Like, <laughs> yes. Like, like, and I really, that was drilled home to me in the third act, like pretty hard. This is a show that I found. This is the first musical I ever did. I did passion, just, just the passionella act at a one act festival when I was 12 years old. And I played 12, 13, 13, 12 or 13. I played, um, I was my son's age. I played uh, mm-hmm. um, the producer in okay. uh, in the Passionelle story. So I didn't have any solos, but I was in the chorus and I had, and I had scenes. And I was just fascinated with this show because I was like, this is wild. Like we had the mm-hmm. little, we had just the third act part of the cast album on cassettes, which were all, it was, somebody had the record and they just recorded it. Oh, for yeah, all yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, this is, it's a weird show and it's kind of funny and it's sort of uh, like, and I, so I just, but I loved doing it. I had a great time with the production. Then I went out and got the CD and then mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like the first act is what really brings me into the show in a real mm. way. Um, but so it's a show I know very, very, very well. Mm-hmm. And I've always wanted to talk about on this podcast and <laughs> no one has ever brought it up. Um, 
So, you know, you want to have to be the change you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I, I really listening to Passionella, which is a, a section I like I say, I know so well when Alan Alder breaks out into you are not real. I was like, man, you are a, like, this is awful. This woman like gets no love from anybody as a chimney sweep. All she wants nope. to be is a movie star. She turns into a movie star and the guy she likes is like, I want a chimney sweep. I'm like, well, then go screw yourself, dude. <laughs> Well, and it's also like, well, who are you to judge, Flip? <laughs> you also are not real, sir. Well, that's and and that is the great kind of irony of it. That's the thing that sort of runs through it to me. Yeah. Is that that other side of the coin that like these stories all have these these female characters trying to be with these male characters, and the male characters turn out to kind of not be the thing they said they were they are you know, in, in various ways of, of humor, you mm-hmm. know, like, but that theme also runs through these is the, like, who are these guys? Like, why do you want to be with these guys? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, in, case, in the diary of Adam and Eve, I guess she literally doesn't have any other choice. It's, it's him or, or literally nobody. So. Okay. I mean, I realize I've been married for a million billion years, but sometimes it still feels like that. <laughs> I suspect that there are people who are listening to this who are in the dating scene right now or who are in sure. open or poly relationships and and mm-hmm. they're like no cuz so too often it's like you start you start seeing a person and then you actually get to know them and you're like no no who what happened what happened to that other guy what happened to that person who was so appealing and so alluring and so charming mm-hmm. like where did he go and why yeah. did he go and what what hap- what did I what did I miss mm-hmm why why is this the way that like it works that i have to get sure. like hook line and sinkered and then i'm like oh well now i'm on a boat by myself i extended that metaphor as far as i possibly could i will also say that I you cast seen... that metaphor out to sea that's good i did Woo! i did i did i know nothing about fishing or boating nauticals <laughs> i am i am not of the nauticals so i've also seen people say that like this show is about the fickleness of love i've seen mm-hmm. it i've seen people talk about the the show being about love and temptation my favorite is when, because look, I mean, like you said, it's three disparate stories. They're very, 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 I mean, it, when you listen, if you listen only to the album um, or to the cast recording, uh, other than some um, sort of like mm, some musical elements that show up between the three acts, like they are very, very different. So people mm-hmm. trying to like scramble for like, well, what ties them together? My favorite is when they're like, and a theme is the color brown. I'm like, right. Well Which done. Is, yes. It, well it's, done. <laughs> the color brown does show up across all three. It, yes. It's a running joke in all three bits. The color, like, yes, you heard me right, folks. The color brown is a yes. running joke. And because that's why Ellen Alda's character's real name is George L. Brown. And she's brown. like, I love brown. And that's the end of the whole musical. And you're supposed to be like, oh. Oh. What? Like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sort of. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But so you have said that this is a three act musical. There are three Mm -hmm. very distinct play uh, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, playlets, vignettes. Yeah, they call them playlets. I mean, they're basically one acts. Yeah, they're three one acts. Yeah. But I haven't been able to find. So maybe, you know, because you have the actual book. Mm hmm. Um. 
is there actually an intermission between Adam and Eve and the Lady or the Tiger? That's a good I question. I thought that there was only a pause, uh, and that's why the ensemble arrives first. Because it's basically a three-hander, but then all of a sudden in the second act, there's there's like an ensemble of six or eight people. Right, exactly. Who kind of carry over into Passionella because there's like a little chorus members. Crowds, yeah. When they did it, I know when, so when you saw it, at, I was going to ask mm-hmm. you at 54 Below, it was two acts, right? It was only two acts, yeah. And the act yeah. break was between Later the Tiger and Passionella. And Passionella. Um, in the original production, as far as I know, it was three acts. It was two intermissions. Wow. Um, and a full three act evening. Yeah. Cause it's described, I believe actually in somewhere as a musical in three acts. And I can't, I've seen that description. It might be on yeah. IBDB. Yes. A musical in three acts. That's what it's called on the IB, IBDB. So as far as I know, it was done in three acts originally. Mm. Um, which is great for the ensemble. Cause your call is like nine right or eight forty five. what time what time's your call if you're in if you're not into act two you know hey this is great well I it's get, the 60s know. right it was 1966 right. when this first was performed so what mm-hmm. were shows performing at eight or did they have later curtains still it's a good question that i really don't know so well I mean, after however show. many episodes of this podcast i feel like we've <laughs> that is a piece of that is a piece of knowledge that has escaped me deal breaker. <laughs> um, that's yeah, as far as i, I go yeah. I don't know. Maybe it was just like follies or or things like reviews or or operettas that started sort of in the like the after dinner. Right. Um, I think theater's pretty much always been at eight. Okay. You know, like like the 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 Broadway house yeah. has always kind of been at eight. Yeah, um, but I mean that's even that's still two and a half, two hours and forty five minutes. I mean that is even if it's. It, that, that's a hefty night of theater. Oh yeah, it's a lot, and I and I think that it, it it's really funny because the problem for me of like of boredom comes in Act Two, which is really bad because yeah. like Passionella, I think, is the most famous part of the show. It's the song they do at the Tonys. If you watch mm-hmm. the Tony performance from that year, um, please watch the Tony performance. Please watch the Tony year. performance from that year as Barbara Harris is on her way to to her Tony, much deserved Tony Award. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also so funny to think this musical came out the same year as Cabaret, like the original <laughs> Cabaret. Like, so you can yes, you can walk across town, like walk across the street. You could see what did you see? You could see, and it's the new Candor and Abbott, it's a new Bach and Harnick, and like one's yeah. the Apple Tree and one is Cabaret, which is <laughs> not even well. They're all about love and temptation. They are about love and temptation. They're all about someone who thinks that they want something. And then when they get it, they're like, mm, maybe not. Well, so is, but is that what this, this show is about? Because I don't think it is. What do you I, think it I, is? Well, so, so Annette, let, let, we'll sort of take them one kind of one at a time. So the Diary mm. of Adam and Eve. So many creatures, so many things. Each wondrous object is beautiful and striking And I see nothing that isn't to my liking Here in Eden mm-hmm. is a, like you said, It's a three-hander mm-hmm. Really, it should be a two-hander It's a two-hander It's a two-hander, but Larry Blyden is in this as the narrator and slash um, the snake, 
I guess is the role he plays. So he plays yeah, the devil, he's God basically. and Snake. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, uh, Alan Alda plays for, he of he of Mash. Yes, and and mm-hmm. the Aviator. I guess for for some people. Um, and the West Wing. I guess people would know him from that. The West Wing. Uh, plays uh adam and barbara harris Mm -hmm. plays eve and it is really just a retelling of the garden of eden story up through Mm -hmm. the murder of abel with um with these two people but they're kind of just regular like regular folk they're kind of you know they're they're dressed in sort of farmer's clothes in this or anything yeah does it it go higher than that it it extends beyond the murder of uh or it extends beyond kin and abel because uh because she dies and he's he uh in those final moments mm-hmm. um so the eve in oh gosh i mean there's how far down it's this isn't going to be like gypsy where i was like okay so the show opens <laughs> <laughs> so uh this thing is like you know adam is perfectly happy in the world and then eve is introduced and then you know it, it, adam has called things like runners and swimmers and flyers and she's like no that is a cow and that is a this right. and that is a that and then she starts planning things and yeah. then yeah. yeah um and she like really sort of makes the world homey mm-hmm. uh and so one of the things that she enjoys spending time in because she doesn't leave uh ever is her garden and so the final moments of this adam and eve mu- uh, uh, vignette um she dies and he begins to water the plants because she so loved her garden, mm-hmm. which I think is actually quite beautiful and quite heartbreaking, right? We spend so much time mm-hmm. uh, in this first vignette with him sort of resisting the allure of her and and putting her to the side and not, and she is annoying and she is in the way. And, um, and then so is that the thing that somebody gone, gets that he wants her to go away and then she does and he misses her? Because that's the part I couldn't really oh. figure out. Because, like, the other problem is, is that the musical is Barbara Harris's musical. I mean, she's the she's the she far and away lead. Lifts all of yes. the heavy stuff. She, she is the lead in all the parts, especially Act Three. Oh my god! She's gosh. top build. She's the whole thing. She won yes. the, her her in in the video, which we'll talk about in a second. When she wins her Tony Award, yes. the, they sort of described as her inevitable victory. That year, but she was clearly yes. going to win. Yeah. And she should have because the video if you watch the she's even superb. just the limited video, she's fantastic. She's yeah. she's an amazing comedian. She's a riot, and this part is clearly tailored to yeah. make her make the most of her of her talents. But she so but act one, the diary of Adam and Eve is really kind of Adam's story yeah, in a I lot of ways. So that's maybe what like that's where I started to get confused. Like, well, what's her what does she want that she doesn't that she gets and then doesn't want? It was nothing, but maybe it is the theme is him, is that he wants doesn't want her to be there, and then suddenly she's not there and he misses her. But that's like literally the last page. So I don't know if that kind of kind of qualifies as the the truth. I mean, I think that because the thing that me that runs through them more than that is just that like it's more the idea that nothing is that simple. Like I like the, like you say, Adam, Adam has this whole, what he considers to be very simple view of the world. And he, like you say, the things up in the air are named flyers and the things in the fish are named swimmers, but it doesn't cover everything. 
it only like it's too general it's too broad it's not it's not meeting things kind of where they are i mean my favorite song well it's not my favorite song in act one but my the one that i loved the most especially when i was younger is it's a fish i just got back from a hunting trip up north and found that eve had caught some new kind of animal now i could swear that it's a fish though it resembles us in every way but size she gives it milk and every night she picks it up and pats and pets it when it cries i always knew she pitied fish but it's ridiculous to make them household pets she says it's not a fish i say it is a fish cause it surrounds itself with water almost every chance it gets when <laughs> she has she a baby has a- she has a baby and he doesn't know what it is. And he says yeah, it's a fish it's a because fish. it surrounds itself with water almost every chance it gets, which is that a great, is really funny. great joke. And we know it's a baby, you know, and yes. but like but like it's a baby's not like it's not a baby. You know, like they have no word for this yet, because then the next song, which is also great, is Eve singing to it. Go to sleep, whatever you are, whatever you are, which is just like so perfect for that, like kind of meta knowledge of it. But mm-hmm. I mean, that's kind of his bit is that. You know, he he. it's all very and it's it also ties in a little bit with the idea of the tree of knowledge that like mm-hmm. knowledge makes things complicated. It makes like when you know things, it makes them harder. It makes things, you know, but better. It can also make them better in that sense. Because um, also Adam sings, I think right after Forbidden Fruit. Yeah, he does. He sings the beautiful, beautiful world, which is. Yeah all that you know diversified bountiful like fast that that whole like the most musical theatery song in the entire show i think i hear chattering and i hear chirping whistling murmuring and honks and snorts if i simply take the time to listen i hear music of a thousand sorts so if ever i would rest my eyes my ears could easily describe to me this diversified curious fascinating bountiful beautiful beautiful world and he sings it beautifully uh, uh, he does. alan alda's great he tune in a bucket. performer yeah, yeah i, I think it. his is a his is a musical storytelling performance he's not a yes he's not brian darcy james right no no well, she and she's not Christian Chenoweth. That was so watching. No, watching Christian Chenoweth do it with the videos I saw, like obviously the the slime tutorials that were available. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very funny, mm-hmm. and she can sing. But I kind of again run with there's a certain kind of musical where like if you're too good of a singer, you're almost ruining the score because the score isn't that kind of score. She's got a few moments to show off her range and show mm-hmm. her like what she can do. But really, it all sits in the middle of the staff pretty nicely mm-hmm. for her vocal range. Like, you don't have to go too far. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of lets it, you know, they're just sweet songs. It's a sweet mm-hmm. score. You know, it's kind of, in, like I say, in, in the middle of the, in the middle of the staff. And I, I just, it, it really requires comedic chops. And Kristen Chenoweth certainly is a comedian, but it's kind of a, it's the same joke almost every single time with her in a lot mm-hmm. of ways. What was it? I mean, was it in the room? Was it was it great? Or was it like, you know, was it the show didn't run very long, the revival? You saw oh, no, some, like a hundred performances, I think, yeah, including previous. It didn't get an album. And yeah, it just wasn't. It's a tough one. Yeah, I. So she was just off of Wicked. 
Right. Uh, and Mark Kudish was recently off of Thoroughly Modern Millie. And mm-hmm. I think Brian Darcy James was like the wild card of the group. I don't know that people know. I didn't remember knowing who he was before seeing it. Um, wild. You weren't you weren't in deep into the wild party at that point. Lippa's wild party. Yeah, I know. Um, well, that's the one. That's wait. That's the one you did, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Go. I'm just making sure I got it right. <laughs> yeah. No, you did. You got it. You. you I got it. Okay. You yeah, got yeah. 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 Uh, so yeah, no, he he I mean he was he was very sad clown. But I don't know that I knew him as a name. And mm-hmm. also this is a very different performance than Wild Party. Oh, oh gosh, yeah. Obviously. Very, very yeah. different performance. And so uh and I didn't see Wild Party, right? I only heard the the cast mm-hmm. album on repeat at the top of my voice in, in a dorm room. So He was um, uh he was doing okay. So at this point he had done Titanic. Oh, which okay. was his kind of breakout. Oh, and then he did sweets. So he, I mean, he'd been on Broadway for a while. He had done yeah. Carousel. He'd done some, but like in the, um, and he'd had lines and stuff, but his, his sort of like, I think Titanic's his first big Broadway per- performance. Yeah. Then he did almost immediately after that sweet smell of sweet success, smell of success. Yeah. with John Lithgow. And that was his, like, that's an actual starring role. So he's, he, but you're, he I mean, he's not. Run. He'd been around, but he's not Christian Chenoweth. Like he's yeah. not in that strata. He's he's a person. If you know Broadway shows, you know him. Like that's yeah. kind of where he's at at that point. So yeah. so thinking back to seeing that show, I remember enjoying it a lot in the moment. Now mm-hmm. I don't know that I could necessarily tell you what I like if I had a favorite part of the production. Mm-hmm. But the but the the three of them and seeing someone like Kristen Chenoweth on stage, there is so much star power that like there's there it just like radiates right, mm-hmm. and you're in a room of people who are there for the star power on stage. So you sort of pick up on that energy. I also don't know because this was what two thousand six six yeah. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was, I was, how I was in my late twenties, almost late twenties. So like, I was still like, if you asked me if I liked a show, I'd be like, yeah, it was great. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that I could articulate why I liked it or not. That came a lot longer. Cause I was still in a lot later. Cause I was still in my head about a lot of things from theater school. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she was funny. Cause I think she, she was funny, but I, but one of the things that you hear, you hear, I think this is the difference. One of the things that you hear from listening to the Barbara Harris recordings is she's letting the jokes be jokes in the music. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't have to sing it to sell it. She doesn't have to do the job on stage to sell it because the jokes are there and she's finding the richness of the stories and of the humor in the lyrics and how she is delivering mm-hmm. the sound. And I think mm-hmm. maybe that is the difference between the musical storyteller and the singer who's in a comedic role, right? The singer who's in yeah. a comedic role is more often than not going to sing through because they have a beautiful voice and then work harder to act. Whereas Barbara Harris trusted her musical storytelling. Also, she's one hell of a singer. Like, don't get me wrong. But oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Barbara Harris can sing like it's not this is this is not a it, like I, I think Alan Alda is carrying a tune in a bucket. She can sure. sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She can. She can yeah. sing. Yeah. And she's she's got pipes. She's also got chops. And yes. I mean, aside from like, 
obviously you and I famously several years ago watched who is Harry Kellerman and why is he saying this terrible things about mm-hmm. me for which she was nominated for an Oscar. And she is sure. also the best part of that 100% movie. hundred percent. the best Bar part. none. Yes. Um, and it's on YouTube and I'll probably put a link to it. You can watch her amazing monologue that she delivers in that movie. It is great. Uh, while all the whole time holding a ghost lamp. Um, by the way, and- everybody, Patrick loves this movie. I did no, not well, love this movie. Pat, Patrick used to <laughs> love this movie. Patrick really, I still enjoy it, but for nostalgic reasons. But yeah, when I rewatched it to watch it with you and Roddy, I was like, uh, yeah. but I still really, I like it a lot more than you guys did. Yeah, um, you, you did. Yeah. But I think maybe it gives everybody just a little insight into younger Patrick Flynn. If you want to sort of watch the whole Which thing. Is- to quote my brother, like this movie was insufferable and you were insufferable when you discovered this movie. So it, oh it, it makes a lot of sense. That's what he, he says it on the podcast. Brothers. Okay. I know. Yeah, but I know. the fact that I might get a tattoo that says quote. that. Uh, <laughs> across your forehead. Across your head. Across on, my, your on my back. Oh, on your neck. Oh, oh. Yeah. Okay, no, cool. Not on my neck. Oh, my God. I mean, couldn't wear shirts. Um, but she, shirts. like, going, what she, going to what you said um, yes. about her trusting the material. The the two songs that really stick out to me in that regard, and, yeah. and you just clicked to me, I think, why they, it's such a great marriage of Harnick's lyrics and performer, is um, the first is Feelings. Yeah. Which is, I mean, the, the thing about these songs that's so funny listening to this recording is like these songs are like a minute and a half. Or yeah. two minutes. Like they're very short songs in this first act section. There's a million of them, and they're right. all under and they're two minutes long. All very, very fast. And feelings is a is like what you would call in almost it's it's not quite a blackout song. What we call like a blackout, if you don't it is a it's more it's kind of a vaudeville term where like for a sketch that ends with a punchline and then you, you just drop the curtain or drop the lights because like mm-hmm. the thing's over. It ends on a very powerful joke. And this kind of does like feelings does kind of do that all through Harnick's ability to keep you one step ahead of him with the rhymes. So it has this wonderful ending that she is just kind of slowly, she knows not to overplay it. She's just slowly to singing the song at the tempo. She's doing the work. She's enunciating like hell. Yeah. Because when you get to the end. I am the first to face this problem. I am the first to have this dream. How can I harness his attention? How can I harvest his esteem? Am I sufficiently attractive? Should I do something with my hair? Is there some tidbit that will please him? What should I wear? What is the source of this congestion that I must learn to rise above? Is there a name for this condition? Yes, there's a name, and it is hell. Is just is just perfect like absolutely a perfect joke and she delivers it perfectly well and i just i think it's so beautiful because we are because it is perfectly paced because it is perfectly performed we are also trying to figure it out with her like we are muddling through these emotions they are they resonate with us because perhaps we have experienced them before but then like it's just it is like discovery for the first time she's doing the job Mm -hmm. anyway go ahead you were saying no she is and it's also he he's also really it's a really nice job that that harnick's doing because and bach as well because they both wrote the book together which i think is one of the issues the show has they should have gotten Mm -hmm. someone to write the book for them there is a guy jerome cooper smith so originally it was going to be three totally different different pieces and this guy wrote the book and then jerome robbins was supposed to direct but he left the piece and mike nichols came in and was like okay so thanks for your hard work um we no longer require your services oh no and they kept i think it was uh 
I think it was Adam and Eve. Yeah, they kept the diary of Adam and Eve uh, and then brought in the Lady of the Tiger and Passionella and then like kept little bits and pieces that Cooper's men oh, had gosh. written. Um, but that, yeah. So like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, then uh, never mind. No, Ooh. no, 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 no. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think He's... both things can be right, right? Well, no, that's they, what they, I mean. They yeah. still needed somebody else to sort of help with some stuff. They had enough to do. Well, but so also what, what's at play there is the the fact that we also know this story. Like, it's the most famous story in this group. These two people are going to end up together. So you sort of expect this to be the, like, you, you, you again think like, oh, she's discovering she loves him. Great. I know exactly what this song's about. And you do not. You absolutely do not. And... That's again what makes it wonderful, and then we also see it from the other side with with when Adam sings the song Eve, and he Eve. gets the other half of the of the equation. But mm-hmm. the thing that really like comedic timing wise, and also the ability to play a lot of colors because it's a very sweet song, but it's a very sad song as well. Mm-hmm. Is her last song is what makes me love him, oh, gosh. Um, which is just. I, I don't know if anyone has ever written a better expression of of a relationship. What makes me love him, it's not his singing. I've heard his singing, it sours the milk. And yet, it's gotten to the point where I prefer that kind of milk. That metaphor is so tortured and twisted. But I also get it. I get exactly what you're saying. <laughs> like, it's yeah. just like it's it, 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 there's this sort of like hopelessness to it. But that is also very sweet and honest mm-hmm. and like, OK, like, well, this is this is what it is. <laughs> this is who I'm well, with. And it's like for and better, it's not you know? for any, but it's not for everybody. But it's mm. it is oddly for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it. Yeah. Mm. It's very sweet. It it's a really, sweet. really nice little moment. I was listening today i don't remember which podcast i heard this on but somebody mm-hmm. said um they were talking about uh, oh it was it was a mike Birbiglia's podcast and jim gaffigan was the guest and oh. he was talking about um having been he's been married to his wife for 30 some years or however they long have like seven kids right they have five kids but oh, yes okay. but it, they all live in a one-bedroom apartment at least they used to in, oh in new york God. um and yeah, you wonder where he gets his material from. But uh, he he said, um, well, uh, this, I don't remember how the comment came up exactly, but he was sort of basically like, he's like, you, you know, you end up being afraid of like the, the whole thing about guys being afraid of their wives. Like in, in the real sense, it's like you have you have emotionally tethered yourself to this person who has the ability to destroy you. Like just because you have made yourself so emotionally vulnerable. And he's like, and that's what it is. He was very much like, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, I want to please, I want to keep her happy and I want to keep us happy together. Not because I'm afraid of sleeping on the couch, not because I'm afraid of like all these little pastiche, like 50s sitcom things, but because I, I have made, I am so of myself with her and she could melt me if she wanted to. <laughs> like absolutely obliterate me and she's choosing not to. So I'm going to take that as a way, you know, like I'm doing something right here. And he's like, and I really liked that comparison of it being like, like that's kind of what it is. Is like when you're in a relationship with somebody and you give everything over, mm-hmm. that's terrifying, but it's also the only way to go. Like that's the only choice you have mm-hmm. is to be like, yeah, like it's all or nothing. So here mm-hmm. we go, you know, and 
that's sort of what I get out of that song a little bit is the like, well, you know, this is what it is. Like, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I love this guy. So sucks to be me kind of, <laughs> but that's fine. You know, like, <laughs> like, I don't have to, like, no one made me. Well, I guess maybe right. you could say God made them in the case of this story, but mm. uh, yeah, it's a pretty, but see, so that's act one. <laughs> yeah. Simple, straightforward, sweet, interesting yeah. take on a story. We all know. Now we go into the lady or the time. I'll tell you a truth that's hard to swallow. I'll tell you a truth. Oh, listen well. If you are in love with a lover who's jealous, then sooner or later your head did for hell. Yeah. This <laughs> is when things get a little down and dirty, too, right? The tone of the yeah. music shifts, the tone of the story shifts. Mm-hmm. There's also like eight other people who enter the ensemble shows up. Yeah. yeah, like just sort of stomp. They just sort of stomp on yeah. and are like, hey, you know, like whatever. And uh, and right from the <laughs> jump, because like they're, they're singing that huge opening. Well, I guess you have the, the, the narrator has a small prologue. And then, like, they sing Make Way, which is, again, like, this, uh, this the biggest music theater song uh, you've ever heard. Make way. Did you know the story of the lady or the tiger? Very, very, very loosely. Uh, only that there, I mean, what I knew about it, I actually, I think I, I, I might have been the type of person because I went to like a very academically rigorous high school mm-hmm. uh, and that had a, a big focus on like the classics. And so I might have like referenced, oh, it's like the lady or the tiger, you know, without actually knowing what the lady or the tiger, <laughs> like never having read it. But I understood sort of the- right like the Sophie's choice of it. Right. So I knew that there was a prisoner who, uh, if he was innocent, could choose the first door that had a woman standing behind it, but he didn't know necessarily who the woman was. And so he could proclaim his innocence by choosing the lady, but she could be his worst nightmare. And then he would have to be married to her for the rest of his life or, uh, door number two, if he pronounced himself guilty, he could choose door number two behind which was the tiger. And so y- you suspect that that means sudden death. Although, I mean, it could be a baby tiger and they could just like romp and play and be very cute about it. I don't know. That was sure. never really clear for me. Um, but yeah, that's all I really knew about it. Yeah, I had n- the the liner notes to the CD. I remember described it as, of course, this is the famous story later, the tiger. I'd never heard of it. I mean, I was 14, sure. you know, like obviously. Yeah, yeah. And I had never heard of it. And still haven't really encountered it in the world outside of this show. I have heard people no. use that expression that it's the mm-hmm. lady or the tiger to basically. So the plot of this one is the, the yes, there is a, a the princess named Barbara played by Barbara <laughs> Harris, uh, <laughs> who is in a clandestine who's the princess's father's the king. And she's in a clandestine relationship with a soldier 
who I yes. guess she's not supposed to be married to, uh, no. who's played by Alan Alda. And their love affair is discovered and he is arrested and will be presented with this thing, which is basically trial by combat. Like, like you said, yeah. it, it's he get there are two. He's presented with two doors. He picks one. If he picks the lady, he's innocent. And he gets to marry the lady and live. If he's guilty, you know, if, if the fates decide he's guilty, he picks the tiger and he's killed. Oh, and that's the thing. Wait, that's the thing. He doesn't yeah. know which is behind which door. He doesn't know if she right. does, now. So the twist that's the that's the sort of that's the trial. That's right. The twist yes. in the story is that Barbara has found out which door, which door has which thing, and now she is confronted with the option of whether she will let him live, but has to watch him live with another woman for mm-hmm. the rest of his life, or would she rather see him dead? Right. You know, as the as the Elvis Presley song says, I'd rather see you dead, little girl, than to be with another man. Not problematic at all. Not anyway. at all. No. Um, um, then later stolen that- by John Lennon for a Beatles song, which I never play my kids. And um, but yeah, so and that's and the story ends on a cliffhanger. She we yes. see her pick a door. We don't know which door she's chosen. And mm-hmm. that's how the story ends is sort of like, what do yes. you think she did? Because. It is ostensibly a story about jealousy. And this is really the one where I don't understand where the like. What somebody getting what they want and then not wanting it anymore comes in unless it's like she wants the knowledge of which door so she can save his life. But then she's not clear whether she's going to save his life, which isn't the same. Like, that's not the same choice as the other two stories. So I don't quite I don't follow. You know what I mean? I I agree with you. I think maybe this is an instance where the color brown is the theme. Because I really don't get it. Like this also has the, this has the fewest songs is the it other really sort of problem. Like we go from a, a, a section that has like eight songs. This one has four. Right. And it's 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 just the, you know, the, the intro song. Um, so they have the intro weird. song. They sing about he sings that they could go live in Gaul. Right. Um, Okay, there's the reprise of the apple tree. That's right yeah. from act from the first act. Uh, she sings the song about how she's got what he wants, and then she sings a song to the tiger. Yeah, uh, and then we have the finale, which is a reprise of Make Way. Oh yeah, I'll there's a couple the of reprises. You know I mean? That's right. Yeah, so it it's sort of, but it whizzes whizzes through like this yeah. this little story, and it's it's so not. It's so not interesting to me as a story mm. compared to these other two stories. It's it's like from another planet mm-hmm. because this is a story like as it says in the opening song, you know, don't as, as the the narrator tells us or the balladeer, I think is the character's name. Yeah. Like, don't get involved with jealous people is sort of what right. he says. Like, don't have to. And like, yeah, like that. Yes, that is that's the bit. But that is not part of the other two stories like that. I it, It's just so it's all by itself here in the middle, like in this really random spot. And I don't, I, I guess that because the other sort of thing you could say is running through this musical and why it would be called the apple tree is because they'd be about temptation mm-hmm. on some level. Right. Mm-hmm. And there is temptation in this show. She has a temptation to kill him. Like that is a real temptation. Mm-hmm. And will she do it or not? You know, that's interesting. Ooh, okay. But then that doesn't carry into Act Three, so I don't quite know like what. It's really like we lost the plot, like in a, in a very serious way. Well, I wonder if we're trying to like retrofit a thematic element to something that doesn't have a thematic element, right? Like, it, right? 
it's very possible. It's just like critics and scholars and and us chuckleheads saying like right. this is this is the thing, and then Bach and Harnick are like. Uh, we just like these three stories and we, we wanted the challenge of, of writing three musicals. And then, and, and, and then someone was like, here's a lot of money to actually produce them as a show. And you're like, yes, yes. Sold. That. Right. Cause why wouldn't yes. we like, it's, no. it just makes perfect sense. Totally. Uh, and yeah. And I, it, but it is like, it's a, whenever I listen to the show, I kind of skip through act two pretty pretty quickly you know what though i i really like that song i got what you want if we don't share this secret you just might die so i will give it to you and when i seduction song but the thing is she's bad at it it's a it is a it is a comedic number that i think is better in in presentation than perhaps i mean the song itself is delightful and like down and dirty and it is very mm-hmm. much a vamp but in performance like she is she she is lola in the locker room like oh my god need you. like right. In, right like it is a bad, bad seduction what is happening yeah. with her uh, and and <laughs> and um, and I like the playfulness of that moment in an otherwise sort of heartbreaking story. I think one of the things that that I there is a lot of this musical that does not hold up. Mm-hmm. And uh, listening to this and thinking about uh, this story, and it is it is in a place called is it Barbaria? Like is it? I, I don't Something know. Something like that. Yeah. But oh yeah. Is, oh, if you want, yeah. Let Let's not look too deeply into the like the the appropriation <laughs> the of others from yeah. where they're from. Yeah. No, it ain't great. Certainly. Yeah. No. And so th- that is well. That it's is a semi. Oh, it is kind of tongue in cheek because it's that's true. I forgot about that. The story it's based on the stock the, by Frank Stockton is it. It is a very tongue in cheek kind of thing. It is playing with some some racial sort of assumptions that that are not hilarious anymore. But mm. the, the it's a semi-barbaric kingdom. That's kind of a, a like it's so it's like it's one of your middle of the road kingdoms. It's not okay. like, you know, they're not barbarians, but they're not like Romans either. They're just sort of somewhere in between. Um, they're on the cusp of gentrification. Right. Well, they're the, nice enough to have okay. they're they're nice and they're, they're nice enough to like have a king and a system and like and, and she has to marry a prince and they know like Sanjar's friends with people in caesar's army like but yeah. but they're still barbaric enough that they have this tradition this like trial by combat kind of tradition so it's sort of yeah. i think that's what they're the where he's trying to to wad and i mean you know who that. else had that who, who else had that right <laughs> of course rome so course. uh y- yeah i mean we can move away yeah. from this it doesn't we sure it doesn't can. hold up it feels like it is sort of uh some sort of like eastern mythology that is has been yes once oh, again yes. appropriated by white people oh yes oh um, yes oh yes yeah but yeah no that's the lady or the tiger i will say though that i do remember liking the end of this one quite a yes. bit yes it was mm-hmm. really funny and it was really quite startling yeah um to know in that moment that she has his life in her hands and then what you gonna do barbara right what you gonna do yeah 
And what do you think she did? I mean, it's that that is the it, it's the nice kind of cliffhanger finale, because that's the point. The point is the like she's now in this position. But it is where I started to have this notion of like, here again is a story about a woman in an impossible position through yes. no fault of her own. And it is the well, because like she, she now there there is a sort of odd moment at the beginning where he's like we could run away together and she's like no we shouldn't run away together because we won't have all these nice things and that's not great i don't love that um oh maybe that's what she wants that's the choice that's the like she wants all the nice things nice things but then she gets all the nice things but she doesn't get that means she doesn't get sanjar so yeah Mm, that's possible again i I think we're stretching we're we're really stretching yeah We're trying, you know, as we Sherlock are. Holmes says, to to like to to fit facts into theories, and it's not that's not how you're supposed to do it. You're supposed to do it the other way. Yes. Uh, so the in any event, like it 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 just sort of it coasts along, but it's also the one where I don't love the Barbara Harris character. Like that's the mm-hmm. other problem. Is like she's she. I want I want to love her. That's all I want to yeah. do is watch her be funny. And I want to, I understand, like, I, I, it's, it's interesting from a dramatic standpoint. It's a, it's a, it's a different color she gets to play here of like, of a little ruthless and a little spoiled and a little like you're a princess who can have everything except the one thing you want. So that's like, that's interesting. So like, I'm sure in, of the evening, it was fantastic. Like if I'd seen, but like, otherwise Mm -hmm. I'm not that interested. (laughs) No. I will say too, and I suspect it was the same as in in the original production, because there is an ensemble. Uh, the the first act, Adam or Eve, feels very small mm-hmm. and very cozy uh, and very simple. And then you get this like like eruption of color. There's a million people on. I mean, there's ten people on stage, but there's a million people on but it's stage comparatively. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and the and it's just it it is a different. Set. I mean, everything just feels much grander. You know what it reminds me of, and it's no. hilarious because it's also a Bach and Harnick show. It reminds me of Romantic Atmosphere from She Loves Me, where we've oh, had this little musical. Yeah. That's had a lot of people in it, but it's all taking place in this store. It's this mm-hmm. little environment, it's this little thing with this little group of people. And then suddenly we explode out to this restaurant, restaurant. and we have this long five minute, very funny, but like musical number of all these characters I've never met before and we'll never see again. And it nope. you're just sort of like, I mean, I get it. You have this problem. They have to go to the restaurant. Like this is like <laughs> dramatically what they have to do. <laughs> But you're killing me, guys. Like, you're absolutely yeah, yeah, killing yeah. me in this moment. I remember the first time I saw She Loves Me and, like, that started to happen. I was like, what in the hell show am I watching here all of a sudden? Of course, mm-hmm. then Act 1 ends of, of that show ends with somebody trying to kill themselves. So, like, that show has a wild Act 1 finale uh, to begin with. Um, it recovers that in Act 2. That show is wild. Yeah. yeah it oh, is. Yeah. Uh, it's I, a lot. Well, it comes it comes back to being the cozy show in the shop again, like in Act well, 2. Well, yes. It brings us true. back to where where we want to be. Um yeah. so yes, the this this sort of like, like that explodes all over the place to to moderately okay effect. And then we get into the good thing. Chimneys are cozy. Chimneys are warm. I think of chimneys as ports in a storm, but warm and cozy or not, I would give up the lot if I could only be a movie star. 
which again, while like you said, has this has a small ensemble, this the third act Passionella, it also is a very cozy show. It's a very yes. like it's just because all the songs except for one are Barbara Harris's songs. Yes. He, he like all all Alan Alda sings is uh You You're Are Not, not real. real. Yeah. She sings one, two, three, everything, four, five four. Yeah. songs. Yeah. And it's just one Barbara Harris banger after another. And I'm in for that. Yeah. Like every, all day, every day. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's like so she's two fun. characters too. So she's singing everything, yeah. but she's singing everything through two persona, which is really quite impressive. And her vocal work is really great. Yeah. It's so great. And what's great about watching the Tony performance is the Tony performance really gives you a great example of the difference between what she did on stage and what she did for the recording, because yes. for the recording, the difference is not that great. Like she definitely does a voice for Ella mm -hmm. and then she does a voice for Passionella. But in the stage performance, like her Passionella, her her Ella, the chimney sweep voice sounds almost exactly like, oh man, here's a reference for listeners of the podcast. It's the uh, the alien daughter in Star Mites. It's like this oh very my weird, gosh. nasally, like incredibly hard to understand and unlike, like very, very sickly kind of voice. And then she explodes into this like otherworldly Barbara Harris, like Barbara yeah. Harris times 10 voice for that. Mm -hmm. And on recording, very wisely, because you have to listen to the voiceover. And she really downplays the like, it's a little sickly. It's got a little nasally yeah. to it, but it's really just still Barbara Harris, like singing this song. Yeah. Hey, uh, do you think, though, uh, that that big note that I just like to sing high note uh, in Gorgeous, mm -hmm. do you think that uh, did she do it? Because on the Tonys, it was dubbed. So did she do it live or was it dubbed on stage as well? It's so hard to know. Yeah. It's better engineered on the album if it was. I, it would um, be really hard. Like 1966 technology, the, the way they wouldn't dub it, they would have somebody off stage hit it yeah. for her. That I believe. Yeah. Like that okay. I believe. Like somebody's in the pit there to like to do yeah. it. It'd be actually, because it's probably out of her range anyway. Even if she like, even if somebody who's there who she can give a signal to and be like, not tonight, like tonight I can't do yeah. it. Like it, it, but I, I would bet there was somebody else singing that off stage who like hit that super high note. Yeah, um, it blends very well on the album. Like you don't absolutely yeah. it does. It's actually it very funny. It's very yeah. funny, but on the but on the album recording, I uh, I didn't notice what? it as much. But if I was like, I don't, I don't. This is it would be. I mean, if she, if anybody could do it, it's Barbara Harris. But like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't think she's that kind of eight supporter. times a week. Like eight times a week, I don't like that. <laughs> Man, you're gonna blow your throat out doing that eight times yeah. a week in the '60s, especially. Sure. Um, between you know packs of camel non-filters and whatever else everybody's well and bless her there. she she lost her life to lung cancer so like she did of course yes. she was smoking 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 Yo, yeah she was um so it, yes I, I it was also funny watching that video because it was the first year the tonys were ever televised 1967 yeah and there's a quick change in that song she does where she changes from the chimney sweep <laughs> to the movie star uh -huh. and i was really like oh this will be interesting i, I wonder how they 
did it yeah. and how they covered it. And of course they cover it with like a light flash and a, and a, and some, a puff of smoke, but it's, I'm sure on stage it looked fine, but the TV, the cameras are so unsophisticated. Like the light, the sudden change in light, everything's just gone. You can't see a thing right. except for like a couple little shadows. And then it takes the camera a few seconds to come back from her quick change. Yeah. Like to record. So it's really, really anticlimactic. The quick change, very Aww. well covered by the broadcast. But like the audience is really applauding and you're like, I don't know, like it seems to me they cut to black for a very long time and then she came back in a dress. So yeah, it was I think just, that the, just I funny. think that the the ca- the technology wasn't there, but I'm sure mm. live it was oh, awesome. But I'm pretty I I'm pretty I'm sure, sure I mean I don't want to ruin this magic, but I'm pretty sure after her first night of watching TV all night. Yeah. She goes off stage and I think it's a double who comes yeah, back I would, I, as she's I'd be like pretty wiping sure. the soot off and then putting on the thing. Cause that's, yeah. otherwise that is a very big change. That is mm-hmm. a very, very big change. Yes. That is a, yes. that is an all hands on body change. Mm-hmm. So yes, absolutely. It's still not, it's 30 seconds. <laughs> oh, it's a quick, I mean, it's fast. It's a, yeah. it is a, it is a quick change in an, in an era where that was a real, like, I'm sure a very yeah. interesting uh, transformation she had to go through because like yeah. you say she's covered in soot on her arms and on her face on her and face yeah. yeah um but you know she does a really nice and then she has to put it back on again at the end i mean it's a really funny like little moment for that um yeah. and his like <laughs> i like the picture you can find he's of alan alda with his like glasses and his hair like yeah, combed yeah, yeah. In a weird way. like man that's a lot of take off the wig toss it under flatten the hair like sit up quickly kind of thing it's mm-hmm. pretty it's pretty amusing uh but so she and it, it, let and I I, I want to say I want to pause at this moment and talk about the Tony Awards um, that year uh, mm. and Barbara Harris's um, evening that she had shall we say uh, which so so Barbara Harris is the is the is nominated for Best Actress in a Musical it is a, it is apparently very clear she's going to win yeah um, the only other nominee. Uh, Again, it's, it's Mary Martin and I do I do yeah um and Lottie Lania is Fraulein Schneider in Cabaret Cabaret which is really a supporting performance because it's but... a supporting it's a supporting nod that she got right she well, wasn't she... up for lead actress was she, she yeah was she was no supporting. she was up for lead actress they nominated oh. Lottie Lania in the lead um that's weird oh and, yeah lead uh, actress. Okay. the actress who played um uh they also nominated Jack Guilford who plays Herr Schultz in the leading role that year yeah I, i'm not well i think still so uh, somebody will correct me if i'm wrong but i believe in 66 where when you where what which award you were nominated for was entirely based on your billing if you were billed above the title you were lead if you were billed oh. b- below the title you were supporting and lot elenia and jack elford would have absolutely been above the title for cabaret we have talked so, about this before yes. yes i believe that is um, accurate because this is all what leads up to william daniels in like 69 or 70 refusing his supporting actor in 1776 yeah um because he's right. the lead of the show uh but Thanks, so in any Mr. event Feeney. yeah barbara, barbara harris firmly above the title uh yeah. gets herself uh right there and yeah. Uh, and wins. I mean, it, it is a it walks away with it by all by all yes. uh, by all intents and purposes. Had she sung earlier in the evening, she is not okay at the end of the performance. So the she sang, um, she sang, uh, what is it called? Oh, to be a movie star, which is her Ella, like the chimney right. sweep role, and it's very very charming and very sweet. And then she goes through this transformation, and she sings gorgeous, and she's passionella which is like a 1960s bombshell, like 
blonde hair, looks like Jane Mansfield, gold dress, right? Something off of the Oscar. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the end of the gorgeous song, she sings this really, she, she like goes, uh, no one is, is as gorgeous as I am. And the eye goes like way up into the stratosphere. And then she ends am with uh, this very sort of guttural character voice. Mm-hmm. And she's in this like pose where it's her, her arms Larry are outstretched. Yeah. yeah. And then she drops her arms and her face just falls and she walks off the stage before it's black and before the applause even starts. And I mm. went, something is not okay with this woman yes uh and then right so i, I just I, I, I perhaps over explained this patrick this so no i don't think you did i don't think okay. you did so like i just felt like so I, I i have the complete broadcast here in okay. front of me uh as a reference she she performs at the 15 minute mark Whoa. um and then uh you say like yeah and then she walks off stage the very mm-hmm very sad way she does not receive her award until the 53 minute mark so there's 40 minutes of telecast in between not including i don't know if they did commercial breaks or how they did it but like sure whatever it was in 1967 and so yes so the backstory is (laughs) right before like the day up so barbara harris god bless her uh just this makes me so upset she she is in a uh relationship with um that effing guy yeah Yeah. he's so vain he probably thinks this podcast is about him well um which also by the way one great like internet scrubbing is if you try to look up their relationship it doesn't appear anywhere like on her like in her bios and stuff it's personal (laughs) never mentioned they were in a relationship yes good Good for for her good for whoever is mining that like monitoring the barbara harris wikis and stuff keeping his name out of her out of you know out of your mouth um so she's she's in in a relationship with with Warren Beatty, who decides to end their relationship, whatever his prerogative. The day he chooses to do that, however, because <laughs> you know it is it is all about him. Uh, he he chooses to end their relationship on March twenty sixth, nineteen sixty seven. Patrick, why do you know the date? Well, why I know, you know the, the date. date? Because it's the date of the Tony Awards, Carrie. Thank oh, you for asking. He decides yeah. apparently to break up with her the day of the Tonys. And yeah. she is distraught. Yes. And understandably so. And yes. apparently inconsolable. And will not, doesn't want to go. Won't go to the Tony Awards that night. Which is then, then suddenly a big problem. That like she's supposed to sing a song and win an award. And she's not going to go. And it's going to be the first Tonys on television. Mm-hmm. This This won't stand. So somebody convinces Warren Beatty, probably Mike Nichols, convinces Warren Beatty <laughs> that like, listen, jackass, you have to take her to the Tony Awards. Like, you have to. Super sorry. You have to do this. Um, so That's she not agrees. Not at all. Uh, not at all. So she agrees to go, um, but is apparent. Now, so the 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 scuttlebutt is that she had to be sedated. Right. Uh I don't know what that means, especially don't know what that means in 1967. If you watch her acceptance speech, uh, which I say happens 40 some minutes after she sang her song, she is clearly not okay. She is clearly not 100% sure what's going on, where she is, like what the deal is. She's she's holding it together. And like people are trying to like keep her like clearly everybody's aware (laughs) that like this has got to go. How could you not be aware? 
Right. And I don't, the guy who runs up to her and like gives her a gives quick her kiss, a kiss on the cheek in the middle, it was like, so I don't know who that was. I don't know what that was. And I don't, I don't care for it, but like, I'm sure he was no. trying to help. Uh, but she, she also did not care for it. She didn't care for it either. No, but it does kind of in a weird way, snap her back in where she's like, this is crap. Like, what am I even like? Okay. Yeah. Let me just thank the people I need to thank and get out of here. And she kind of does. She thanks Mike Nichols. She thanks like two other people. And then she just, leaves Leaves. like you said she just turns and leaves and she did it and she got her tony award and she's done and yeah man i don't know like what i hope patrick like we the clips that we can see online we see her like leave the stage right she like Mm -hmm. well she leaves the podium she leaves she walks down the stairs and she sort of walks out of camera shot and i I hope she just like walked out of like she just like walked herself all the way up. I hope she went home aisle and like out the door and Warren Beatty can find a way to get himself home. Yes. Or wherever the hell he's going next. Yeah. Yes. I I would really like uh, if I ever got the chance to talk to Alan Alda, I have a lot of questions. But one of the questions on my for him would absolutely be like, what was that whole thing? like from your vantage point like yeah. how did that all go because they also apparently i i, I don't know like what but that he they worked together later he cast her in a film he wrote uh called the seduction of joe tynan so like they they at least remain friendly after mm-hmm. this show's over um and you love to see it uh mm-hmm. but so i i would imagine you know it, it was hard for everyone involved and also when you have Warren Beatty, like the movie star of movie stars, like at the, the center of this of whole his thing. Era. Yeah. Absolutely. And he's on, and, and this is like mid sixties, Warren Beatty. This is on the rise. Like he's not, this is like, uh, what you call it? It's about to, what's come out to Bonnie and Clyde's Bonnie about Clyde. to come out. Yeah. Like he, it, it's only getting better for, yeah. for Warren after this. And yeah, I mean, it is just, it's one of those things where you just, you don't know what would possess a human being to treat another human being that way. Like, how do you not I don't care understand? No, just keep your damn mouth shut for 24 hours. What is your problem? I said, good like, day, for, sir. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, because forget the, like the TV, the whole thing, like the show, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Like it's her night. She should be enjoying yes. that night. She should be having a good time. She yeah. should be allowed to have a good time. And you clearly decided she was not allowed to have a good time that night. Cause that has to that be. Is, yeah. That is. That is super toxic. Nobody is surprised. And that is that is super fear-based behavior, too. Mm-hmm. It's like she's about That's to what become. I'm yeah. I mean, how yeah. oh, very dare you? But what did we say mm, half an hour, 40 minutes ago that yeah. the show is about? This is about about how hard it is to be a woman in a, in a, in a, a toxic, a toxic society of toxic, toxic masculinity. Yeah, and, and also that I mean, lived it on stage and off. Well, and that ties into though what I was saying a minute ago though that Jim Gaffigan said yeah. though about it by being a like it, it, you're right. It is fear based behavior. It is the thing of like if I if I let myself my guard all the way down, and I let her win, and I don't win, then yeah. she's ahead and I lose. And it's like, well, that's not what relationships are. I mean, it's, it's also the statistics. If you look up the stats of like women who have won the best actress Academy award and then almost immediately afterwards gotten divorced. Like it is a <clears throat> shockingly set. Now it's apparently not as like, I, I had heard this was a huge, if you look at the actual stats, it's not that high, but there are several high profile ones, even in our recent memory, like Reese Witherspoon and Sandra Bullock to name two off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. um, it's like, it, it, there is something about 
men in the entertainment industry, actors specifically, being mm-hmm. with actresses who are getting having their moment mm-hmm. and them suddenly feeling like I mean, it's Star is Born. Right. Yeah. I mean, yeah, they made they made four movies out of this damn phenomenon. <laughs> So one day we're going to get it right. Patrick. And the best choice the man could make was to kill himself in that particular situation. Right. Yeah. In every single one of those movies, it's the same. It's the same ending. Uh, but, you know, it's, well, it's yeah. Well, sh- shades of gray. On I, I, I mean, I it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You can go back and listen to the series. If you're on Patreon, original cast at the movies, we talk about yeah, yeah. all of them. I have some very specific feelings about this and the Barbara Streisand for someone, and that's fine. We don't have to. Another, them. another, another. I mean, it's it's like in my series on, uh, I think I call T-shirts that I would market that nobody would buy but me. Is you saying when we think? I think when we sat down to watch the Barbara one to talk about it, you're like Patrick. I want to watch a different movie. Yes. <laughs> You were just so done with the stars. And we still had one more to go. We still had one more to go. We still had one more to go. It's fine. It's good. We all, and you we were all, so, we were, were you were, Barbara it. and Chris Christopherson had just exhausted you. To, yeah, to they like did. For so point. many reasons. They also so had the reasons. same hair. It doesn't matter. You know they what, did. though? You know, you, you, I love you, you so much. Change. I watched all of the stars borns and that movie that Barbara Harris was the best thing in. Yes. That I don't even know what it was called. It was Harry Kellerman and why is he saying those terrible things about me? Can I read to you my favorite uh, uh, Barbara Harris critic quote? You may absolutely. Okay. Please um, do. So critic Walter Kerr once famously referred ah. to her as the square root of noisy sex. And she said in response, my goodness, mathematicians are going to be furious. <laughs> square root of noisy sex i don't know i mean i don't know if that's a compliment or a barb and i don't quite honestly care i'm gonna say yes i hope she said yes i think that's amazing gosh the square root of yeah and that's all it says is once famously called called her that was like famously where (laughs) i don't know down the street he like yelled Ooh. to her outside of Sardis. Hey, Barbara. Right. You're the square root of noisy. What does that mean? I don't know. I love can... it. Yeah. But like, what you does get that, that tattoo on your back? Right. That's under a that good, that's a good tattoo. Right. Roddy's pull quote. And then yours over here on this arm. That's man. Sure. For a guy who has no tattoos, I'm suddenly getting a lot. Uh, that's what happens. You get one and then you that's, get many. That's, yes. That seems to be the way of, mm-hmm. of folks. Uh, I'm not getting a tattoo, dear dear listener. Uh oh! Um, Famous no. last words. No, no, you'd have to really mm, mm-hmm. lots of yeah, gin. No. Okay, well, no, no good. Uh, um, got Challenge my ear pierced accepted. once, but uh, that was a long time ago. Uh, Carrie, thank you so much for, <laughs> for you. doing this wonderful little chat. So tell the folks real fast, since you've last been on the show, tell the folks about Uproar Coaching and how they can check that out. Yeah, Thanks. yeah. Um, so I am an executive coaching co-conspirator uh, for women and femme non-traditional leaders who are looking for a safe space to spread out, get loud, and be boss bitches, uh, and to really dial up the things that make them delightfully, uniquely their own. I call them my glitter bombs instead of hide it. Uh, and so if you're interested, take a look at uproarcoaching.com. But also, like we can continue the conversation about the apple tree or gypsy or any of the stars are borns. I am not on 
that letter platform, but I am on Instagram at Carrie Ginsburg. Uh, you can also find me on Facebook or LinkedIn, um, which is where all the cool people talk about musicals for people who, for people who don't know, I, I met Patrick because of this podcast and I have met some very delightful people who are now some of my best friends because they were guests on this podcast as well. So you have created a community. You were a convener, my friend. There we go. You were the connection point between all of our little apple tree playlets here. Go to sleep, whatever you are. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review the original cast on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help other listeners find the show. Go to bit.ly slash originalcaststore for original cast merchandise like t-shirts, tote bags, and more. Become a patron of the original cast at patreon.com slash originalcastpod so you can listen to our bonus podcast, The Original Cast at the Movies. On the socials, we're at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Carrie Ginsburg for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn, and I can't. I have rehearsal. Ah.